Cool. All right, man. Um, yeah, how you doing? How's your weekend going? Uh, it's going all right so far. How about you? Yeah, it's going good. Um, it's so nice over here in Florida. Sunny and 75. Uh, had a nice long run, eight miles. Yeah. Progression, progression run, really nice uh, to get after it down here. And all of the my friends, people up in New York have that snowstorm or they have the mm -hmm. snow right now. So I can't complain, man. I can't complain. How is it over there in Texas? Uh, it was like 50 yesterday. It's about 71 right now. It's been raining all day. Gotcha. It's all over the place, man. Yeah. Do you run every day? Hell no. No? <laughs> I, I am I am the worst about training. Uh, wow. It really just depends what I'm training for. But I try to run, you know, two, three, maybe four times a week. Mm -hmm. Just depends. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I mean, I never thought we briefly touched base on this. I, I never thought I'd be a runner. Um, and then here I am. Um, all right, I'm gonna knock out this intro real quick. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Stay for the Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah. Joining me today, Houston native, COO of Team Catapult, Houston Lululemon ambassador, co-captain, founder of Freaks Run Club, and a photographer, Patrick press grove what up? what's up man? Right. Me, man right off the bat uh walk me through your history into sports fitness and athletics um and growing up in in houston and texas all right i was born in houston i moved away to a small town halfway between here and austin called Burnham, texas if you uh, are familiar with the Bluebell ice cream brand. That's where they make that. Uh, that's the small town they make that at. <laughs> Best ice cream in the world, Bluebell. And, uh, for, for the most part, they've had their <laughs> moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went to elementary school, junior high, high school, junior college there. And then I was commuting for a couple of years back to Houston and back to Burnham for my bachelor. And I ended up moving back here with my wife and a couple of roommates. And we've been here ever since. I finished up my four year, got my post, post four years done at the University of Houston in accounting. And uh, I'm a full time tax accountant now. Um, I was also born with a rare genetic birth, birth disorder. Um, I was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate which is why I have a speech impediment. And uh, I was born with a lot of problems with my legs. So I couldn't walk until I was six. And then for years, a couple of years, I couldn't walk. I developed arthritis in both of my knees extremely fast. Mm. So by the time I was in high school, I was in a wheelchair. So I had elective amputations going into high school. So this is back in like 2004. Um, it wasn't until about six, almost seven years ago now that a friend of mine even brought, put it on my radar that I could run as an amputee. Uh, I'm a bilateral, meaning double above me amputee. So I didn't know what was possible. He encouraged me to apply for a grant for some running prosthetics and I got them and actually put them away in my closet for about a year because I was scared to try them, scared to try anything and fail. 
uh, about a year later, he was like, hey, man, what are you doing? Get off your ass, so let's go run. So uh, we started out slow. Uh, I had to learn how to run, just like I had to learn how to walk uh, years before. Um, started out about 100 feet at a time, with, you know, and then having to stop and catch my breath and work my way up to uh, three miles. There's a park here in Houston called Memorial Park. That's like the running hub of Houston. Mm-hmm. And uh, like one of the best memories I have of running is the first time I ran that without stopping with my friend. Nice. Um, and it kind of just took off from there. So that was what, like six plus years ago. And since then I've done, let me think, four marathons, including Boston twice. Uh, a couple in, more than a dozen half marathons, um, then a half Ironman triathlon, and a whole bunch of smaller triathlons uh, training up for that. Um, now I'm talking to you. Nice. Man, you see, you, wow, that's that's amazing, man. That's really, really cool. Um, wow. What, I mean, that one, I want to say, like, kudos to your friend for being adamant about like staying like get keeping on your ass you know what i mean like that is a good friend to have do you run with him often is he part of the running group is he part of the running scene down there i'll tell you exactly who he is his name is mark Barr. he's a four-time paralympian uh he's a a single side meaning one leg Mm -hmm. above the amputee i met him because we had the same clinic for our prosthetics and uh my clinician the guy that makes my legs made his legs uh, he introduced us, and Mark was like, hey, do you know you can run? Like, why, why aren't you running? Have you ever thought about it? I didn't know it was possible. So uh, you meet someone like that who's been to, you know, the equivalent of the Olympics four times. I mean, that's a motivating guy to know. So he, he's gone three times for swimming and one time for triathlon. And uh, at one point, he was the top triathlete in the world, a uh, paratriathlete. Um, I don't run with him a whole lot. He's also going to school to uh, move his career along. So he's real busy in the last couple of years, but I see him here and there once in a while. Mm-hmm. What, what was your, from the start, like what was your motivation to st- like to, to get into running? I mean, you mentioned like you started with what, a hundred feet and then you go a little farther, Maybe. a little farther. So yeah. what was the motivation like per, from you as a person outside of uh of mark like your good friend encouraging you to get up get up and go what was like your biggest motivation that really drove you to start once i took those first couple steps like as a runner Mm -hmm. because before that even when i had my legs like i couldn't really run i've been disabled my whole life and it wasn't until i took those first handful of steps that very first time that i was like oh shit, I, this is something I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being around him a couple months, um, really encouraging me to stick with it. So that first year, I'd say, I was actually running by myself at the indoor track at the University of Houston. And I, it was a short track too. It took like four and a half laps to make a mile. So I would run one lap and have to stop for like 15 minutes. It would take me an hour to do a one mile workout. 
but it was just knowing that, you know, that hour was still a huge accomplishment coming from someone that really never could run before. So that, that itself became motivation like, hey, you're doing something you never could before, so you better keep it up and let's see how far we can take it. And I remember running my first, my first 5K took me 45 minutes and change. And I was like so pumped up, I couldn't breathe. I was like, oh man, I love this. I want to run another 5K, maybe I'll run 44 minutes. So like, I, I just got the bug from there. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, that's what one question that you know is what motivates you to keep going mm-hmm. as opposed to why did you start? But the answer is really the same just knowing where I came from and like I'm here now so let's keep it going like mm-hmm. there's no there's no point in stopping now so even after those first couple steps as a runner that was my motivation like oh shit we're here now let's let's do it let's let's, let's see what we can do yeah I love that man I think we share that kind of mentality of like getting better every day you know what I mean and then once you realize you can it's really hard to stop like once you realize you can do something, it's hard to say that yeah. you can't or that you can't get better or improve. I feel like we share that mentality. And as um, someone coming from my position as a person with disabilities, now I am in a position where, uh, A, I can give back. So I'm part of a nonprofit here in Houston called Team Catapult. And I, they were founded the year I got my running legs. So a year before I started running, I found them the next year, 2016, and they were the, a community, a very small community of other adaptive athletes that I could go out and meet up with every week and like not be alone. Um, and just understand like there's so many other people going through what you are, if not worse, you know, coming from a worse situation. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a position that I understand that and I should give back. So that's a little more motivation. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm motivating myself to keep going. Um, but another part of it is to start bringing up others that are coming from the same situation I was. Because mm-hmm. I already put it in the work. So let me make it easier for someone else. Yeah, man, that's awesome, man. They're doing it for a cause. I mean, that, that's motivation in its, in its own, you know, being able to give back. Yeah, um, yeah definitely something uh i've tried to do on my end too you know with friends family strangers even you know like people that i can help it is very hard not to you know it's very hard not to give back especially i mean it could be a culture thing like growing up in texas and maybe growing up in houston and you know i think there there is something from a culture standpoint that like i was raised with the mindset of always giving back even if i if i had very little doesn't matter how much i had you knew that someone else doesn't have it as good as you do you know like they would kill to have what you have and i grew up with that mentality and then giving back was very much part of my upbringing 100 percent, yeah um so when you were in high school um like what were your or like growing up what were your primary passions and hobbies um outside of like sports athletics and fitness um i really didn't have any passion or even interest in sports at all growing up just, just with that just understanding n- just numbers that, you liked accounting no, and finance <laughs> i always been good at math but just that understanding like as at the time i was in a wheelchair so mm. like being doing any type of sport 
was really not an option. And my family was not aware of any adaptive sport programs, especially in the town I grew up in, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would have had to go to Houston or Austin or San Antonio to find something like that. So that really wasn't an option. Um, my passion was just, or my hobby was just hanging out with friends and, you know, mess, messing around my, my small mm-hmm. town. There's nothing going yeah. on out there. Uh, to, actually, music. To, uh, to put it well before yeah. we get into to music to put yeah. into perspective for those listening walk us through the small town like the small town vibe how big was your town ta- how big was the town how big was your high school just for people to understand now my wife comes from a real small town in wisconsin that's a small town so. okay but i mean it's small for texas um yeah yeah what at the time it was probably maybe 20k people in, in Brenham, that was when I was there. Uh, they're mm-hmm. larger now. Um, high school was probably a thousand plus in my, my class of 08. So, I mean, we weren't tiny, but we were not anything like uh, a random high school in Houston has like 5,000 graduates every year. So yep. you can yep. imagine. That's wild. All right, man. So h- how did you get into music? How did you fall in love uh, with music? Right, so back then it was just like I've always been in, into music. I used to like make music with a, a, a bootleg copy of Free Loop Studio. I used to make music. I had friends come over me and record stuff. Um, I ended up learning, I taught myself how to play the drums. Oh, and this is all after I was, became an amputee. So I taught myself how to play the drums with, with prosthetic legs. I was in a, a really shitty metal band. In uh, junior college, for I guess like in almost two years, um, this has always been something I love. Just you know, mm-hmm. music, just connecting with music, as opposed to like some other art form. Just music really connected with me from a really young age. So it was kind of natural. Where growing up, you got all this free time on your hand if you're not in sports or any kind of club you kind of find ways to occupy yourself. And uh, thankfully I chose one that led me down a good path as opposed to some of my other friends, but that's how I got into it. I taught myself how to play drums. I was in band for a couple of years and that's really it. That was like a junior college phase. I still got those drum sets, that drum set at my mom's house, but I was about to ask you for a long time. Okay. Yeah. I was about to ask you if you still play or if you still go out, if you're part of a band now, no, um, not anymore, man. Not, not that much. Oh, man. All right. So then, so how did you, um, I guess before you got your, your running legs, um, what, what, like, were you mostly in a wheelchair or like, what, how was that experience when you first put on, put on those running legs, even before you took that first step? Like really, I get, yeah. Just walk me through that process. So the journey of my disability was, I was born with all these medical problems. I had a couple dozen operations in my first couple of months of life. Um, I had a whole bunch of work done on my legs to even help me to be able to walk. So I couldn't stand up and walk until I was six. And then I had AFO uh, leg braces on to help me walk for years and years. Um, even when I was transitioning from walking to 
leaning in a wheelchair more of my time. I was still wearing those light braces. So this just got to the point where it was too painful to walk. So I was in a wheelchair at school, but at home I walk around. And then it got to the point where, well, I mean, this is painful all the time. So I'm in a wheelchair at home and at school. And I was really young and it was an option to have amputations and have a better quality of life. So that's not an option for everyone, but luckily it was for me and I took it. So I had elective amputations in 04, learned how to walk again, uh, got around just by like all those problems I had growing up just went away. You know, once I learned how to walk, I could go out anywhere now. I'm not in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, the transition from walking to running was kind of weird because you're on like these carbon fiber springs essentially um and i don't run with any knees so i swing my legs out from side to side as opposed to like how anyone else would run Mm -hmm. so that took a little while to learn how to run and it just takes so much more energy for an amplitude to run it takes like three times more energy for me to walk than an able-bodied person so it's you know, it's probably three, four, five times as much energy to run without without legs. So it just took a while to build up my endurance to where I couldn't run a 5K anytime I want. You know, that took a long time to get to that point. So, but like mentally, the experience was just like, it was so freeing. It's like, I mean, the first time that you fell in love with running, that's how I felt, felt that first time. Yeah, that that experience was exactly the same for you and I. Wow, I mean, I had a very lengthy uh, process before I fell in love with running, but I think once I did, I realized that I think a part of it was being able to get up and go. You know what I mean? Like I can just I can just get up and go and explore and wonder, get lost. I can spend a lot of time outside, which I, I already love doing, and so that that freeing aspect of it definitely was there like that is what clicked for me and then as an athlete the competitive nature in me was like push it as hard and as far as you can you can now and then goes back to the mentality of getting better every day Mm -hmm. um are you pretty competitive at nature like with yourself with others are you like a would you say that you're a competitor i I, I knew you were just about to ask me that i was already thinking like how would i answer that honestly no because I put so much time into trying to help others mm. succeed. Um, and, and if they're competitive, I want to help them have a, have a competitive advantage or like a level playing field. Mm-hmm. But I am extremely success-oriented. So okay. you could say I'm competitive with myself to set goals and achieve them and try to out-achieve those goals. But... Like competitive against like my fellow humans, not really. Like I'm, I'm all for all of us having a good time, and if you want to be the best at what you're doing, I want to help you get there. Mm-hmm. But for me, me helping you get there is success, and I'm extremely driven by that. And even for myself, I'm you know I have my own goals, so I'm extremely driven to find out what I need to make those goals happen and do it. Um, but I'm not like on a one-on-one competitive nature. No, yeah, not really. 
I would say for, for me, for the most part, I am really competitive with myself. Mm. Like, that, like, yeah, but for sure at the forefront of my competitive nature, I'm the, the number one competitor that I have is who, I, who I'm looking at in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you put me like into a team sport, then it, it gets a little, a little interesting. Cause then it's, you're battling against an opponent, mm-hmm. but going back to like the, the mindset of giving back, I've always been taught to like lead by example, especially having grown up, um, doing, uh, or competing in athletics, you know, like mm-hmm. being, a um, a competitor in that sense is like you have your team captain or like yep. your starter, things like that is like, you have to lead by example. And in doing so, you also kind of help out the people that you're around, uh, the community, you know, stuff yep. like that. So leading by example has always also led, um, that competitive streak that competitive nature in me too. But really at the forefront it's I'm competing against myself every single mm-hmm. day. Um, and like I said, I mean, it really could be a culture thing. I don't know what it is. That chip on your shoulder mentality is real. You know what I mean? Like that never goes away. Oh, for sure. Especially for a lot of people and, and how they're raised and their upbringing. Um, all right. So how did you, um, how did you start Freaks Run Club? Like what was the mindset behind that co-founder? Walk me through that process. That is, is kind of a funny story. So, um, what about a year and a half ago now i was doing a virtual overnight relay so like the squeeze project is an overnight relay we have one here in texas called the texas independence relay which is a 200 mile overnight relay i've done that one the last five years in a row i mean captain that team a couple times or a team a couple times where is it start to finish it's from gonzalez texas back to Houston. Okay. And it used to be from Gonzalez all the way to the San Jacinto Monument, which is like a little south of Houston. So it used to be like way more than 200 miles. But a couple summers ago, it went virtual. So I was I was captaining a virtual team for my non not my nonprofit, but the nonprofit I'm part of. And uh, we had adaptive athletes from all over the world doing an uh, overnight virtual relay. That was really cool. But I was at Memorial Park at like 11 p.m. one night waiting to get my hands off to go run my my segment. And I don't know if you remember this. You probably remember this. The Guardians Challenge, the 4 by 4 by 48 Yeah. I had a group of friends outside of my team doing that challenge. So they were all meeting up with that park to run their next four miles. I had no clue they were going to be there. So we all ran into each other in like this one moment. And we stopped and talked for a minute. And I was like, what are y'all doing out here so late? Like, I had never seen any of them outside a run club. Mm-hmm. I said, why are y'all out here so late? They said, oh, we're doing the value challenge. And one of our friends in the group said, well, you know, the freaks come out at night. I was like, we left on it. And then we all... uh I think the next week we had met up for a run club and went out to eat. And uh, we were talking that, I think it was me. I said, you know, that'd be a cool name for a run club. The Freaks come out at night run club. So this is coming up on two years now. Uh, So almost two years ago, we made it happen. We started out on Instagram with like a private chat and we were putting up on our story. I made an Instagram account. I said, hey, there's some of us that are going to meet. There's no other run club on Friday night, so I made a Friday night run club. 
Uh, so, Lee, if you want to know when and where, send us a DM. So, we kind of blew from there. Um, things kind of settled down and people started coming out a little more. And I said, well, we're just going to start announcing it every week. I'm not going to make everyone like play a game for it. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of cool at first. So, like, you know, if you know, you know. But uh, we started announcing it every week. So, one thing that's unique about us is I pick somewhere new every single week and I make a whole new course on Strava. Um, and every single week I have someone tell me, hey, I'm, ne- I'm going to Houston however long. I've never run this part of town before. I've never seen this. Or I didn't know this was here. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part of captain of this run club. So I'm a co-founder and I kind of took off with it. And I am the captain of it. So uh, I got merch for us. I just launched our website uh, last week, actually. Nice. Um, and we just had our first run back uh, after the new year last night. And we had uh, oh, like cool. 25 people show up, which is pretty solid because when we were starting out, we had like five people. It was the same five people every week. So, and now it's like a mix of all kinds of people from like really serious runners who ran last night and drank a couple beers with us and woke up this morning for their long run. Mm-hmm. And then we have other runners that wear their only run for the whole week. And that's all they look forward to. And everything in between so it's a really cool mix nice dude that's so cool y'all meet up every saturday or friday, friday, friday night, night? every friday night at 7 p.m nice but you said the like the routes and the meetups change every week yes right yeah what's your favorite part in houston to run in when i was learning to run and like really heavy in the in it i would say memorial park because everyone goes there and mm-hmm. you know even people that can't stand running at Memorial Park anymore because it's just a three-mile loop. Yeah, They still go there because that's where everyone is. Yeah, That's what I would have said, you know, years ago. And I still love it. But my favorite part now is probably probably in the, uh, the Herman Park, Rice, Westview area of Houston. It's just, it's just so beautiful, and it's not packed like Memorial Park. Um, and my second favorite probably in Buffalo Bayou around downtown. Um, it's a really good workout, but there's just so many people there on a nice day. And bikes and dogs and, and families and strollers and people walking around. It's a really good run. It's a lot to look at, but it's just hard to like put your head down and get a really good workout in. Mm-hmm. So I'd say like the, um, the Herman Park area, like around the, the Houston Zoo and Rice University, Mm-hmm. It's, it's just so like nice to look at and it's pretty quiet so mm-hmm. that's my my most favorite part in the last couple of years that's so weird man because i had no idea that houston had a running scene you know what i mean like my man walk- there are multiple run clubs <laughs> for every night of the week that's it's, so and bizarre now that's true because i'm the only friday night one that, that wow. anyone's aware of that's awesome. But there is a run club for every night, and then every club has a Saturday morning crew. So that's wild. And I also know of another couple of clubs that are trying to start a Sunday morning coffee run. So there's a lot to be a club for every day of the week. That's legit. That's so cool. You know what? Okay, I'm gonna need you to. We're gonna need to chat after this, and I'm gonna need to get. I'm gonna need to. I need to know. Actually, do you know? I, I, I want to drop it here. Actually, do you know every night of the week? Let's drop it for Houston, Texas. 
the run crews and meetups. You think you can do it or not? Can we do it or no? The most common ones on Monday night will be City Center Run Club and Run On. Now they're called, they're now they're owned by Fleet Feet Run Club and River Oaks. Tuesday night, what do we got? We used to have Run Tuesdays, but they just quit. Um, we used to have a little secret run club, and we uh, kind of kind of fizzled out. Let me think. Who's Tuesday right now? Oh, Bond. Bond Run Club in uh, the West U area, which is the Brian O'Neill's Run Club. Wednesday night, what do we got? Uh, Kung Fu, that, they're probably the most known run club in town that's kung fu run club uh also west end run club same night and uh team catapult our nonprofit, has our one of our weekly workouts at memorial park on wednesday nights thursday night when we got we used to have race pace but they are long gone uh i think sigma run club now called equal parts they have a run club um eureka heights has a run club on thursday night and I think Holler, Holler Brewery has a run club on Thursday night. They might be Wednesday night. Holler, the Holler, Hollers. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays. Freaks come out at night, run club. Saturday, you got Black Men Run Houston. You got Zone, Zone Fitness Club. Zone Fitness Club also meet Wednesday nights at Memorial Park. Um, and then Black Men also host like anyone that wants to join them. So any run club can run with. Blackman running Houston. Uh, we have no running club on Wednesday nights as the track workout and Saturday mornings are long run. Um, the Houston Harriers have a long run, the Houston Strivers, all the, the the old school established run clubs have a Saturday morning run a uh, run. And then uh, there might be a couple in the works for a Sunday morning coffee run. Oh, there's also Black Beatles run club on uh, Saturday morning. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm missing a whole bunch because then you go, know, you got the ones in Katy, you got the oh, ones yeah. in Cypress, you got the ones in the Woodlands. I mean, there's a run club anywhere and everywhere. That's so crazy. You, so, man, that's bizarre. Like yeah, I said, I so I, yeah, yeah. I want more. Yeah. I mean, I never, like I said, like growing up, I would have never guessed, imagined, like foresaw me being a runner now like there mm -hmm. really was no way I used to hate to run it took a lot for me to run a mile um like I and I was really heavy set so like looking at me now I was you know 80 pounds heavier than I was now and mm -hmm. you know really really a heavy body um and I would have never imagined that I would have fallen in love with running now or today so recent like just three ish four years now running every time I go back to Houston and I go back to Texas like the one thing I'm, I've been missing in Houston has been a running scene. And little did I know there was actually a big scene happening in the backyard. Can you imagine? It's like, huge, that's so bizarre. Man. You're opening my cool. eyes to a whole new world. Uh, tell me if you agree with this. Anyone that comes here and sees Houston for like five minutes already seen this. But this is why I tell people about Houston. It's the biggest small town you'll ever go to. Oh, Every, yeah. it's a, we're the third largest city in America. Everyone knows each other here. Mm -hmm. So that's even more true for the running and community and even more and more true for the triathlon community because they're even smaller. But the Houston community is so big and we all go to each other's run clubs. I mean, for the most part, it's all love, man. Like we're yeah. all here to show up at your run club, that run club, whatever. So when I say all those run clubs, there's a high possibility that 25% of each of those clubs are the same people. But 
that that's that's the Houston element of it. Like we yeah. all know each other. It's all love here. That's awesome. No, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think people um like they downplay Houston. What's the word I'm looking for? Like they um undervalue Houston. Man, there's a word I'm looking for. I can't think it's, of it right now. It's uh underrated. Underrated. Sure. There we go. Yeah, but it's so underrated. I will say this, like don't hype me up too much because I don't want Houston to be the next Austin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, no, keep, keep, uh, it, no, no, keep it under wraps. Austin needs some more people. But keep, it, keep it under wraps. <laughs> That's wild. No, so, but I, I, what, the way that I, I would explain it too is that Houston is also one of the most diverse cities in, in the U.S. Like, and even now living in New York, like knowing how diverse and New York City being a melting pot of cultures and people, Houston is the same way. It's bizarre. 100%. The, the, only, yep. the only difference in, in the two cities really is that New York City grows up, Houston yeah, grows exactly. out. Yep. Houston grows out. And so you need to like, you need to go, I mean, just think of it like downtown, you think of it like Manhattan, but like going outside of downtown Houston, you go 45 minutes outside of downtown an hour you're kind of still in houston like it's still still in houston Houston. and so that's what people don't realize is that houston grows out whereas other bigger cities especially like new york grow up um and so yeah houston is one of the most diverse cities in uh in the states and like it's it's definitely under underrated for sure and that's Um, also a a, a testament to texas because from Houston, you know, yeah. 12 hours west, we're still in Texas. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is like how, I, how we are out here. Yeah, I think, do you know what what the time is to get from end to end in Houston? It's like four, or end to end in Texas, it's like 14 hours. I think so. From yeah. Houston, Houston to El Paso is 12, if not 13 hours. And yeah. so to go from east to west or west to east is probably about 14 15 hours exactly which is crazy you take that in new york city you're in like six seven different states you um, take that to europe you're in like five different countries yeah it's wild <laughs> like, people don't hell? yeah people don't realize and that's also why i asked you about the small town vibe because like you could be in the middle of the desert and grow up there you know what i mean like that's yeah. how texas how big texas is exactly. um and you could that so i wanted to like to put that into perspective for some people because it, it really is bizarre and i think a lot of people um they just end up thinking of, of texas like like uh friday night lights you know like that's mm-hmm. the best thing they could think of in small town vibes and similar mm-hmm. in those senses um did you ever did you like football growing up like texas is huge in football like did you have a passion for it at all houston texans like did you dallas cowboys don't please don't say dallas cowboys i'm a i'm um, a houston fan i'm always gonna root for them um kind of don't have the choice yeah whether we're bad or not but I was I was kind of excited when they made the Texans when I was yeah, growing up, but um, I'm a Houston fan. Period. Anything Houston, there you go. I'm, I'm all for it. Astros, Rockets, you name it. Houston. Oh yeah. Die hard. Yeah. Same. Pretty much. But for um, football, I was never really outside of watching the NFL. Not really. And I, and I, no. It kind of comes and goes over mm-hmm. the years. U of H had a good stint for a while. They were doing all right. A and M, UT, definitely yep. are heavy hitters. But U U of H, you went to U of H, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was at U of H when we had Case Keenum breaking like every NCAA quarterback record for that couple of years. That must have been fun. It was that must cool have been to watch. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man. So let's pivot real quick. How did you get into photography? Um, Walk me through your passions now as a photographer and how you fell how you fell into into that area. It's always been something I've 
been interested in. And as a runner, you know, like one of the best and most fun parts of being a runner is seeing photos of yourself running. So I got, I'm kind of hard to miss as a double amputee when I'm on uh, a race course. So throughout my running quote unquote career, I've gotten a lot of really cool run photos of myself. And uh, I just had a lot of free time recently. And I said, it would be really cool if I could learn how to take really cool run photos of my friends that mm. took all these cool photos of me. And I have really good friends that are really good photographers. So I like latched onto them, kind of made them my mentor, whether they knew it or not. And uh, bought like a cheap entry level camera off of Amazon and everything I needed. And, went out and I worked the shit out of that camera real quick mm-hmm. um, and got myself a little upgrade um, last year, I guess. And it kind of just took off. I learned very quickly how to take run photos the way I wanted to take them. Um, and people seemed to like them. So it, it's just taking off from there. I, I've done yeah. a couple like um, uh, campaigns for actual companies running and sports and uh taking a lot of portraits portraits for my friends and friends families and stuff like that so uh i kind of made that my new side hustle going into late last year and forward i got my own website nice got my own uh my own tax id so i can claim the income on my taxes so i'm ready to go man if you need anything, hit me up. <laughs> Yay, man. Send That's my funny. way if you know someone. I know. If you look at my page, <laughs> it's just all of me <laughs> running. <laughs> that, yeah, man, you hit you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, yeah, man, I hit you up. I think that's one of the fun parts, me too, being a photographer, is like understanding how runners want to be taking photos of them. You know what I mean? Like you understand exactly. as an athlete, you understand the photos that make you look good and that you want to see. And then as Mm -hmm. a photographer, you're able to do that for your friends and peers and other runners and athletes, because you understand where they're coming from. Exactly. Um, That's so interesting. But you, so you started, you really started in sports. How how did you get into, into sports photography, right? How did you get into portraits? Was that always like a, like, did you have the eye for it? Or like, did you find that interesting or how did you from, from sports to portraits? How did you get into that? Honestly, it's just like my friends hitting me up. So one way I forced myself to learn how to take better photos was just I would hit up my friends and say, hey, I want to go shoot. You want you want some free portraits? Because mm-hmm. I need practice and I'll give you some free content for your, your Instagram. What's up? Yeah. Um, and then it, it branched out to people hitting me up for portraits like families or like small events. Um but my love, my first love, and I've only been shooting for um, like a year and a half. I just started in summer about a year and a half ago. Um, so I haven't been shooting that long, but my first love is like running and action shots mm. for sure. Hey, man, starting is the hardest part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once you start, it's really hard to stop. Oh, for um, sure. <laughs> that's that's so cool, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I fell in love with photography the second I got to New York City like six, six years ago. Yeah. Six, seven years ago. Um, that was it. Like I had the book. It was something about New York city that sparked my 
the creative mindset oh and yeah like that that fire and then it's it has been i there's no way i can turn it off like i mm-hmm. i think i think like a creator for the most part you know and so um yeah i fell in love with the photography the second I, I stepped foot into new york city but it was interesting because i mean i took like one photography class in high school like nothing of it just like an extra credit right and it was film too so it was very like traditional focused photography mm-hmm. Um, and then nothing in college and my university really, but the second I got to New York city, man, I mean, I had like, I, I had, I just, I needed to like take photos of everything, but yeah. it was less about me. I mean, I just fell in love with capturing moments and yeah. then it started out with street photography. Like I feel a lot of people get into first, especially in New York city. And I went from street photography to portraits. And it was mm-hmm. one of those things where like friends hit me up, like, Hey, I'm gonna need you to create content or like. I've done photo shoots for covers of books and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got started. And then helping, you know, I would say like some models, like build their portfolio from, you know, like trying to get their portfolio established um, to become a model and doing stuff like that. And then I fell, I really fell deeply into portraits. Um, And then it wasn't until last year when I got into sports photography and that was centered around me as an athlete, me as a runner. Um, and mm-hmm. syncing up with, you know, like running crews in New York City and they have their photographers. And then when I was here in Florida, um, I know a few people down here that that shoot too and um, got in with like a content team and stuff like yeah. that. So um, really dove into sports and fitness photography last year. And then that's, you look at my page, you see me now is where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I thoroughly enjoy uh, doing sports and running photography. Like if I'm not doing a workout, I will, I will definitely be behind the lens. No oh, doubt about yeah. it. Um, That's one way I got a lot of my practice in, in that first year or so was I would hit up my friends in run clubs. I'd say, Hey, I'm going to come out to your run tonight and just take pictures. Is that cool? And they're always like, yes, yeah. please, we need content. So yeah. like, if anyone out there is listening and, and is interested, like just hit up your friends. Everyone, everyone wants content nowadays. But yeah. if you're in the running, I hit up your all, all hit up all your local run clubs and say, "Hey, can I come shoot you for a night?" And just send them the good ones that you like. Like I went out and shot one at night just because I went to practice with my my flash, and I took probably 200 photos, and about five of them came out good. And they don't know that, and they don't care, and they love those five. Mm-hmm. So. Like, don't worry about the numbers. It's all about putting the time in um, and making those connections because mm-hmm. now that they know I shoot and they like the photos I shot, they can either recommend me to someone or have me come back out for something else. So yep. it's all like just put the time in and be, be out there in the community. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that, man. I, man, just I want to piggyback off of that. Really, you just got to start. You know what I mean? Like get, starting is the hardest part. quality over quantity um and you'll never know if you never try uh and you'll you'll, like you have to ask you have to like hit up your friends you got to get out there you just got to do it it's it's taking that first step ties back into starting you just got to take that first step yeah man i I love that i you know what like this is getting me very hyped up and enthusiastic like i cannot wait to be back in texas and to go back to houston hopefully soon i mean it's so cool man because i want to now hearing you talk about it i really want to immerse myself in in this houston texas running community culture atmosphere like i just want to dive right into it it's so wild but it's crazy to think that like i would have never known i really would have never guessed and like now I know, and now I now that I know, I can't forget it. And like I'm gonna I'm gonna be down there soon for sure. 
And I can't tell you, and I am a, a Houston Little Women ambassador. I'm on my, I'm halfway through my third year. Um, as part of the ambassadorship, we did a virtual series campaign last year. And we, it was us and one other city in America that had an in-person element for that. And we had a 10K course and a half marathon course. I created both of those courses and we were actually the, the number one city in America for engagement and um, oh, wow. in-person involvement. And then we were only number three behind two Canadian cities for the whole world. Um, because of that, I can't tell you what it is, but there's some really cool stuff coming our way to Houston. So the sooner you get back and get involved, the better, because uh, you want to be here when it pops off. So when no. you see the announcements, be ready. All right. Man. All right, hey, man. We've been putting in the work, so it's time to have no, some I, fun. I already, I already got on my alert set. I'm ready, man. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Yeah, um, that's wild. Yeah, Seaweeds was a lot of fun. I shot Seaweeds and participated in Seaweeds in New York City, the 10K, the half marathon. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. I was on the photographer side of it. I was shooting nice. content, which is a lot of fun. And it was a really cool to meet that community too. Not just New York City, but for Lululemon, for that group. Um, really that's great. That's funny you say that. I, that day, our Seaweeds day, uh, I, I did not run it. I, I was helping coordinate like on the ground, mm-hmm. everything with another guy. And the whole time I had my camera in my hand and I, I had like a box of stuff in my hand. So my camera was right here like a baby. And I, I couldn't, I didn't take one photo the whole day. And I was so bummed out because I wanted to just take photos of all my friends coming in and like all the, you know, the lights coming in just right, right now. And yeah, got, yeah. My hands are full and I'm talking to five people. Yeah. So I, I was bummed out. I couldn't go around and shoot that day, but. I really, I had the bug that day for sure. Man, yeah, it was golden hour too, you know, mm-hmm. like early morning, sunrise. Yeah. It's really hard to beat, man. Yeah, man, it's cool. Next time, there'll be next, next time, time for sure. For sure. Um, that's so fun, man. That's dope. All right. So, Houston, Texas, speaking of, um, Houston Marathon's coming up next weekend. Yep. Um, are you running? Do you have you have any friends, team, teammates that are running? Um, what's the vibe right now going into next week for the Houston Marathon? The marathon, half marathon is next Sunday. Uh, I'm running the half marathon. This will be my, I guess, fourth time running the half. And I've run the Houston marathon once. Nice. Um, might be my third time running the half when I've run the Houston marathon once. Um, for Team Catapult, we have about 80 people. Most, about half of those are in the Houston area and the rest of them are coming from around the U.S coming down for it and we're hosting them and if you're an adaptive athlete we paid for their entry and got everything all set up for them so we got a real big team coming for that um and i mean every run club will be there they haven't had the houston marathon in person in a minute so they're back it's happening mm. so and they sold out probably a month ago now or, or yeah probably a month ago and they sold out both of this you can usually find a full marathon in that uh, uh, registration still open like a week or two out with everything mm-hmm. sold out. So people are ready for it. So it's going to be a party out there. That's fun, man. Man, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I, right now I'm still in Florida, uh, in Orlando, but 
I'm telling you, wheels are turning. I'm thinking about a spontaneous road trip to Houston next yeah, weekend. Man. You never know. Stay tuned. Let um, me know. We have I'll, some other some fun stuff going around going on around the, the marathon. Mm-hmm. So if you're here, let me know. Dope. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll let you know. Um, for you, are, are you do you have any goals in mind to for the half uh next weekend? Or are you just running it for fun? What's your mindset for the race? This is honestly gonna be the first race I've ever done for fun. Okay. Um, I ran Boston in uh, this past October and came home and ever since then I may be running once a week. Like mm-hmm. I just I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take some time off and just have fun, take more photos, um, enjoy the fall because I trained for the, I trained all throughout the Texas summer for that mm-hmm. October marathon. I was like, I'm taking time off. Well, I took time off and then I took a little more time off and a little more time off. So. I've still been running like once a week since October. So this is going to be my first half marathon race. I've never run just for fun without a time goal in mind. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just going to have fun, man. I'm the same. There you go. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's the way to be, you know, even w- with the goal in mind, not like just have fun, get out there and yeah. rip it, have a good Definitely. time. Um, all right, man, this has been great. Uh, really great chatting with you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jacob. All right, man. Um, yeah, good luck. I'm sure we're going to test base before next weekend, but good luck. Good luck to Houston. Shout out to Houston, Texas. Get after it. Oh, um, I miss y'all. <laughs> but all right, man. We're here. Uh, we're ready for you. There you Come go. On back. I'm going to be back soon. I promise. <laughs> all right, man. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories. <laughs>